0: Our Bible reading is from Philippians chapter two, verses one to 13, and it's printed on the news sheet. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks, Audrey. I wonder if you ever have conversations about family resemblances. It's a really common question when babies are born, isn't it? Who does she look like? Who does he look like? People often comment that I look like my mum or that I look like my dad or that my son looks like me. I can't see it really, but can we just go back a a little bit? Uh, There's this photo of me and my mum, uh, then a photo of me and my dad. You can tell me later who you think I look like. (laughs) It's not just who looks like who in families that we're interested in, is it? It's also who is like who. Maybe you've had one of those awkward realizations one day where you said something or did something and went, oh no, I'm just like my mum. I've had those every now and then. Maybe you're a family who's known for being good at something. Maybe you're a musical family. Maybe you're a sporting family or a medical family. Maybe there are some gifts or skills that have been passed down through the generations in your family. My dad and my grandpa were both actuaries. I didn't follow in their footsteps, but one of the degrees I did at uni was a maths degree. I grew up where my dad and my grandpa would discuss maths at social occasions. That's fun, right? Uh, Although my son kind of bitterly says to me that I failed to pass on my maths genes to him. (laughs) Last week, we started thinking about church and the plan of God. And Alex reminded us that when we put our trust in Christ, we become part of church. As we trust in Jesus, each of us belongs to God, our heavenly father, as his beloved child, as his loved son or daughter. And we also belong to each other as brothers and sisters. We don't get to choose who belongs, just like our natural family, we all belong. We belong to each other, whether we like it or not. So my question today is this, if we can see family resemblances in our natural families, is there a family resemblance in our spiritual family? What quality should shape us as God's family? What qualities should shape us as the church? What do you think? If you had to pick one big family resemblance for God's family, what would it be? Or what should it be? My guess is that even if you hadn't looked ahead and seen that this talk was about love, you would have said love. And my guess is also that if I asked this question of people who aren't regular members of church, they would also say love. I think people generally expect that Christians should be people who love. And that's what the Bible says too. The family resemblance that marks out God's family, that marks out the church, is love. God loves us. We've experienced his love and we've become his children. And so we ought to love one another. Listen to 1 John chapter 4. God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. At the heart of God's love for us is an action. He sent his only son Jesus into the world as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. At the heart of Jesus' love for us is that same action. Jesus willingly laid down his life for us. Our sin is our disregard of God, our choice to sideline him in our lives, to keep him out of our lives. Sin is our failure to give our allegiance to Jesus, even though all humans owe their allegiance to him. Because of our sin, humans tear ourselves away from the God to whom we rightly belong. Our relationship with him is fractured. But God sent Jesus to give his life in place of our own so that our relationship with God could be restored, so that we could take our place as sons and daughters adopted into God's family. Each of us is loved by God. It's that love, God's love for us, that forms us together as his family, the church. Love is the family resemblance to which we are called. 1 John 4 11, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So what does that look like? What does it look like for us to love one another? As we go on to think about that question, I just wanna clarify what exactly we're thinking about this morning. That we're thinking about how we love our brothers and sisters in Christ. How we love everyone who is here each week, whether they're brand new to St. Jude's, whether they're visiting St. Jude's, whether they've been part of this community for 40 years or for four weeks. We're thinking about how we love those who are part of God's family here, how we love those who are becoming part of God's family here, how we love those who are visiting God's family here, how we love each other during the week, how we love those in our connect groups. Next week, we'll think a little bit more about God's call on us to open our heart and share God's love with others, about reaching out to our community, our city, and our world. But for now, let's go back to our question. What does it look like to love one another? Is our family resemblance evident? I wonder what your experience has been as part of God's family, either here at St. Jude's or maybe at another church. Mine has been mixed. In my own church growing up, I had a mixed experience. I loved the church I grew up in. I'm really thankful for the way God held me there and grew me up there. I'm really thankful for friendships that I had there. I'm thankful for opportunities I had to serve there. But it was also a clicky church. There were times when I was painfully aware that I wasn't part of those cliques. Times when I felt left out. As a young adult, I would often go and visit other churches. And I had really mixed experiences there too. Sometimes I was really warmly welcomed. Other times, I wasn't spoken to. Years ago at another church, I had an opportunity to one day sit in a group and answer this question. We were asked to talk together about what has your experience of this church been like? We had a group of about 10 of us and each person in the group answered that question. And as we went around the circle, a few people talked about how loved they felt in that church, how much they had been cared for, how much they felt part of the community. And then we came to a couple who said that they had been at that church for 10 years and that they had never felt part of the community, that they didn't feel loved or cared for. And they cried as they shared their experience of that church. Even more than these examples, we'll all have heard about or perhaps experienced much bigger failures to love than these failures to love that sadly might have caused hurt or even harm to people who've experienced those failures. God's uh, God's word to us is very clear. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So what should this kind of love look like? Why do we struggle and sometimes fail to love like this? How can we love the way that God has loved us? Those are the questions we're going to look at at together this morning. First of all, what should love in the church look like? We may not realise it, but we learn to love by being loved ourselves, One of the real tragedies of the late 19th century, of the the late 20th century, sorry, the 1900s, was the discovery of orphanages in Romania. They were full of children who had been very minimally cared for. They were alive, but they were in terrible condition physically. And the problem wasn't just physical. These children hadn't been loved, they hadn't been held when they'd been fed, they hadn't been spoken to or sung to, they hadn't been cuddled and cherished. I recently read an article about one of the young boys from these orphanages who was adopted by an American family when he was 11. It was a a bumpy ride for him, it was a bumpy ride for them. And one of the most poignant lines in the story was that he was unable to process his family's affection. He also found it hard to love them. We learn to love by being loved by others. And in God's family, we learn to love by being loved by God. We heard this already in 1 John 4. It's a repeated theme throughout the New Testament. So let me share a few more places where we read this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 9 now about your love for one another we do not need to write to you for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other in 1 John chapter 3 verse 16 this is how we know what love is Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters And we heard it this morning in our reading from Philippians 2. Let me read a few verses there again from verse 1. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. We learn to love by being loved by God. And God's love for us in Christ shows us what love should look like in the church. Our love for each other is to be like God's love for us. We're to have the same love for each other that God has for us. So I want to think about three qualities of God's love for us that should shape the way that we love each other. The first of those is that God's love for us is sacrificial. God's love for us came at the cost of sending his son into the world to die. For Jesus, loving us came at the cost of making himself nothing. It came at the cost of taking on the nature of a servant, even though he is in nature God. Loving us came at the cost of Jesus' own life. It's hard to grasp the full extent of God's love, isn't it? The full extent of the sacrifice that he made because he loves us. And it's easy to forget that sacrifice is at the heart of love, that all true love is costly. Serving at church is an expression of love. It costs time and effort, energy. Saying hi to someone new is an expression of love. The cost is the risk of reaching out. The cost is giving up time to talk to your longer-held friends. Taking time to pray for someone or to send a message is an expression of love. It costs effort to remember and discipline to act. Making room for a new friend in our lives is costly. It costs time and energy and some space that we might be using for someone or something else. God's love for us is costly. Real love in our church family for our brothers and sisters will also be costly. God's love for us is also other-person-centred. Jesus looked to our interests in his death on the cross, not to his own. Romans 15 verse 3 puts it really bluntly. Christ did not please himself. And God calls us to that same other-person-centred love. In Philippians 2, we heard it really clearly. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. There's often a tension between our interests and the interests of other people. I sometimes feel it in the supermarket queue. My interests in that queue are to finish as soon as possible and to be able to go home. But the interests of others are sometimes different. Some people like having a chat to the checkout operator. From my perspective, it just slows things down. It clashes with my interests. I recently read that some supermarkets are creating slow lane checkouts. These are for people who like to have a chat. Clearly, they have noticed that there's this tension, a clash of interests in their checkout queues. On face value, it's easy to think that we are looking out for the interests of others. But in reality, I think often our own interests are more entrenched than we realise. In our relationships here at church on Sundays, and in our relationships with our St. Jude's brothers and sisters during the week, I wonder what our own interests look like, and I wonder what the interests of others look like. Have you ever thought about this really explicitly? Have you asked yourself the question, I wonder how I might be helpful to someone else in our community? Have you asked yourself some of these questions? What are the interests of someone who is new to St. Jude's? What are the interests of someone who is new to Melbourne and has come along to St. Jude's? What are the interests of someone who's single? What are the interests of someone who is a new Christian? What are the interests of those who have small children? What are the interests of those who are older? What are the interests of those standing by themselves in the foyer during morning tea? What are the interests of someone who's sitting looking at their phone after church? That's just a really small subset of a lot of questions we could keep asking. They're good questions because they help us towards in humility valuing others above ourselves, not looking to our own interests but each of us to the interests of the others. God's love for us is other person centred. And he calls us to real love for our brothers and sisters in the church, his family, which will also be other person-centred. Finally, God's love for us is practical. Faced with the breakdown of our relationship with him because of our sin, God did something. He acted. He acted through Jesus, laying down his life for us. 1 John 3, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech but with actions and in truth. God's love for us is practical and he calls us to love one another practically. Giving or sharing material possessions is part of loving one another. During the week, you might have seen in our 10 a.m. Facebook group, someone who's new to Melbourne posted that she and her family are about to move into a home, their shipping container hasn't arrived and she asked for a whole lot of stuff, uh, wondering if she could buy or borrow from people in our community. And I was so encouraged that a number of people reached out and put comments there, being willing to share or give things that they need. It can be challenging to love practically, can't it? It can be challenging to share our stuff. What might it look like for you to share your material possessions with brothers and sisters here at church? And what might it look like to love with actions? Meals for young families, meals for people who've had surgery, offering people lifts to get to church or to different events during the week, visiting people in their homes. I'm sure there are way more practical needs than those I've just mentioned. Do we see the practical needs of our brothers and sisters in Christ? Do we wanna see them? And if we do see them, are we willing to love, to help? What should love look like in our Christian family? It should look like God's love for us. It will be costly. It it should look other person centred and it should look practical. I wanna encourage us that I do often see love like this in our 10 a.m. family and that is a really beautiful thing. I've just mentioned one example and I saw another example last Sunday that really struck me. One of our members is going through a pretty full on time at the moment, really busy for the next month or so. But she was here as usual on Sunday, serving on her regular roster. And after church, she was chatting to one of our newer members rather than hanging out with her friends. I do see and hear of brothers and sisters here at 10am dropping meals to those who need them, praying for people, messaging people, calling other people, listening to them. I could give lots of other examples. And I think the words of 1 Thessalonians 4 are really apt. Verse 9. Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia yet we urge you brothers and sisters to do so more and more I'm really thankful that I see people loving here loving each other here at 10 a.m. but I want to encourage us let's do that more and more I know that sometimes though we also struggle to love each other like this I know there are some people who haven't felt loved in our 10 a.m. family, some people who have really struggled, some who might have left because of that. During the week, I sat and listened to someone sharing about how they haven't felt loved here in our 10 a.m. family. And that raises the question of why we sometimes struggle to love in this way. One part of the answer is pretty simple, and that is sin. Our sin means that even though we have experienced God's sacrificial love for us, we still struggle to love sacrificially those around us. Sometimes the cost is, just seems too much. I think the cost of love that often bites for us is time and comfort. Love takes time. To make space for someone new in our lives is costly and love takes us out of our comfort zone. Even saying hi to someone new at church can feel uncomfortable. Our sin sometimes means we don't want to count the cost of loving others. Our sin sometimes means our own interests still trump the interests of others. I remember once when I visited another church years and years ago, I was sitting in the pew and I was feeling pretty cranky that no one had welcomed me, no one had said hello. And I was sitting in this pew with another lady sitting a little bit further along from me and I was thinking, why hasn't she said hello to me? I'm clearly here, I'm new. And as part of the service, at one point, we were asked to talk to each other. So this other girl and I got our act together and managed to have a conversation. And it turned out then that she was new as well. I had been so busy being cranky and thinking about my own need to be welcomed that I hadn't managed to reach out to her and to love and welcome her. Sin gets in the way of love. Thankfully, we have this promise in God's word that when we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So let's make sure we keep repentance and confession at the center of our life together, at the center of our own lives personally. As well as our sin, I think there's another big reason that we struggle to love like this. And that's because that we are finite beings. We are created beings. If we look around us at church and see the needs that there are for people to be loved, if we look around and see the ways that you could love, you would probably feel really overwhelmed. No one of us can do this on our own. So it's really encouraging to be reminded in passages like 1 John That loving one another is always a plural idea in the New Testament. This is a together command. So in 1 John chapter 4, no one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, that's a plural idea. God lives in us together and his love is made complete in us together. When I was just a new lawyer, years and years ago, I'd been working in my firm for about six months and we had a Christmas party for our clients. And so the aim of this was to build our relationships with clients, for me in particular as a new lawyer, the aim for me was to meet as many of these clients as possible. And so on the evening of this party, I was in conversations with people, and what happened was that the partners in my firm sprang into action, and one by one, they would come and pull me out of a conversation with someone and move me on to someone new to meet. They did an amazing job of it. By the end of the evening, I felt like I had met nearly everyone in the room. Just like that, we can only be a family who loves well if every one of us plays our part. So there are two big reasons I think we struggle to love each other well, our sin and our human limitations, our finiteness. So given those struggles, how can we be a family that loves like God? How can we be a family who loves like God? I just have two suggestions that I want to... Uh, think about now together first of all we need to address the reasons that we struggle to love and secondly we need to embrace our family likeness of love so firstly how do we address these barriers the reasons that we struggle to love as I've said we address our sin problem by keeping repentance and confession central in our life together central in our life personally by taking time to reflect on how we're living by taking time to hold each each other accountable with that. The other reason we struggle is our human limitations. And part of addressing that is by making sure that we are working together, not in a kind of networking, utilitarian, corporate way like in my law firm, but in a loving, realistic way because we are committed to doing this together. If you say hi to someone new at church and chat for a few minutes, don't feel like that needs to turn into a half-hour and Have a half-hour conversation if you want to, but if you've chatted for a few minutes, introduce that person to someone else. Take them to join your group of friends. Don't do it all by yourself. Let's love together. If you see needs that people have during the week, reach out to others around you in our community and see if you can love that person by meeting their needs together. I think recognising our human limitations also means making decisions about the shape of our lives. If I come to church with nothing left in my emotional tank most Sunday mornings, then I'm going to struggle to be someone who's able to look out for the interests of others. Take some time also to reflect on your season of life. When you have young kids, it can feel like you will be in the creche for the rest of your life. It's pretty tough. You will get there, by the way. But given that challenge, think and pray about how you can still love others, even if you are stuck in the creche. As you get older, other circumstances change your ability to love. Think and pray about your stage of life and how you can still love those around you. As well as addressing these reasons that make it hard sometimes for us to love each other, God also calls us to embrace our family likeness of love. Firstly, that means remembering that we are loved by God. God loves us with this costly, other person-centered, practical love. Remind yourself of this love often. Reflect on it as you read the Bible, meditate on it, thank God for it as you pray. Secondly, I think we embrace our family likeness of loving each other by praying for God's help. It's really clear to me that we just cannot do this in our own human strength. So let's pray individually that we will be people shaped by love. Let's pray together that we will be a community shaped by love. Pray that every one of our interactions will be loving. Pray that we will be able to love particular people around us. And pray for God's help knowing that he is at work in you. We heard this in Philippians 2. It is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. God will work in you as you pray. We don't need to do this on our own. So let's pray that he will help us to love each other more and more. We also know from Galatians 5 that the fruit of the spirit is love and a whole lot of other qualities. The fruit of the spirit is love. So pray that God will be growing that fruit of love in our community. Thirdly, we embrace our family likeness of love by having the same mindset as Jesus. It's a really striking phrase in Philippians 2, verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. That's a really big call, isn't it? We could spend a long time unpacking that and I'd love to hear your thoughts about it. But there's an intentionality about that, isn't there? how can we have the same mindset as Christ Jesus? It's something that we can pray that God would shape our minds to be like Jesus. When you come to church next week, look around and try and imagine, how would Jesus see these people here? As you go into the foyer and cafe after church, think, what would Jesus do now? And don't just be intentional on Sundays. During the week, think about how might Jesus be approaching the relationships that you have in your life with brothers and sisters in Christ. So there's three ways that we can embrace our family likeness of love. Remember that we're loved by God. Pray for God's help. Have the same mindset as Jesus'. Brothers and sisters, there are so many statistics about loneliness in our society at the moment. I read an article this week about independent bookshops in the UK, which are having a resurgence. I love bookshops. I think that's really great. But some of them are doing it to intentionally address the loneliness problem that they see around them. One woman who's running one of these bookshops said, we're building friendships and trusted communities where people feel a sense of connection and belonging. We all want to be loved. It's part of who we are as people. God offers the only love that can truly satisfy that need in each of us. I'm really glad for someone to find community in a bookshop but I would much rather they find love in God and in his family, the church. How sad it would be if someone came to church looking for love and didn't find it. If they didn't find it from us and so maybe also didn't find it from God. Let's make sure that doesn't happen here at St Jude's. 1 John chapter 4 shows us how God can change the world through us. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Why don't I pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that your love meant you gave your son Jesus to die in our place. Father, forgive us when we fail to love others with that same love with which you've loved us. Thank you, God, that you are at work in us by your spirit, shaping us to be like Jesus. Please do that more and more so that we can love each other more and more the way you love us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.